and then we'll be uh, moving on. Um, but here we're looking at the book of 1 Corinthians, which is a book, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, a letter addressed by Paul to the church in Corinth to address the fact that they were divided. They were a church that was constantly fighting with each other. They, we saw last week, they were picking sides. I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. And, and worse yet, I am of Christ and you're not. The idea that I define myself as being right and I define you as being wrong because you're different than I am. And that becomes the characteristic of churches throughout the generations, unfortunately. Division rather than the unity that Jesus Christ died to establish. As we said, Jesus prayed to the Father in John 17, Father, make them one so that the world will know that you've sent me, that I'm real, that I'm legitimate. And when the world sees Christians that hate each other, it confuses them about who Jesus is. So this is an important lesson for us to learn, and it's really the message of the book of 1 Corinthians. And so last week, we, we went through verse 17, and Paul had been using the example of baptism, something that people use as a way of dividing, as something to fight over. And he had said, that's not really what's important to me. I didn't baptize hardly any of you. But in verse 17, he said, because Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, the good news. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. And now as we begin with verse 18, he says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer, the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Paul here divides everyone into basically two categories, people who live the life of the cross, and people who foolishly live a selfish life that's designed to build them up and to feed their ego. And yet in the process, they miss that which matters most. The center of this passage is the first phrase in verse 18, for the message of the cross. What is the message of the cross? We when we think of the message of the cross, we think of the fact often. And when we think of the gospel, we think of, you know, well, yeah, that's Jesus died, was buried, rose again, and we can get saved. It's our ticket to heaven when we acknowledge that. But we sometimes think of that as being an evangelistic message whereby we get saved. But in reality, Paul said, this is all I preach, the message of the cross. 
Now, when you look at all the things that he teaches on, the deep theology and the answering of difficult questions and everything that he does, it's like, wait a minute, you preach more than the cross. We think of people preaching the cross as being evangelists that every week are just telling people they need to get saved. And a lot of times that's the way we see the gospel. And once we get saved, we want to move past the cross, we want to move past the gospel into those deeper, heavier, tough theological questions. But Paul said, no, everything I teach, it's all about the cross. And if you move past the cross, you're moving into an area that you think is wise, but that experience will teach you that it's really foolishness to move past that. The teaching, the message of the cross is a message not just that we get saved by, It's not just something that non-Christians need to hear, but the message of the cross has radical implications as to how we live our lives on a daily basis. The gospel is everything. It's the fact that Jesus Christ died for us that becomes our reason for living, the center of everything that we are. And if we go beyond that, we move into that area that Ultimately, as he says in verse 18, there are people who hear the message of the cross and they're perishing. They think it's foolish, but they're destroying themselves. Or there are others who are being saved. Not just who get saved, but those who are being saved. Salvation isn't just a door you walk through and then you're done. But I am being saved every day. Now, I have been born again, and I know that I'm going to heaven, but at the same time, the greatest thing about being a Christian isn't just that I got saved from from my sin. The greatest thing is God's saving me every day. He's following me around and rescuing me from all sorts of things that could destroy me, that could cause me to perish. And that's what living in light of the cross is. That's ultimately the message of the cross. Now, we can talk for a long time about what that means and how you do that, but we all see examples of that kind of living. And remember, it's important enough to Jesus that even before he died on the cross, he said, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciples, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. He said, if you try to gain your life, you'll lose it. But if you offer to lose your life, you'll find it. You'll gain it. For us as well as for him, sacrifice is what it's about. It's also why people divide because we don't want to sacrifice. I don't want a cross in my life. I don't want to deny myself. I want to assert myself. And self-assertion is contrary to the message of the cross. And self-assertion will always lead to to perishing, to damage, to destruction. You'll end up living a foolish life if you live a life of of self-promotion. It doesn't work well. But I can point to you, and you know in your own lives, examples of cross-living that you see all around you. You see the message of the cross in a woman who's just selflessly giving of herself to her kids, pouring herself into them when she really doesn't feel like it and it would be easier to just hire someone else to do it. 
You see a, a dad who's left with kids and is loving his kids and pouring himself into them. You see people whose parents have grown older and can't take care of themselves and at great sacrifice to themselves, they, they give of themselves even at the point where their parents don't even understand what they're saying. And you just feel like, you know, is this doing any good at all? But it's that person who selflessly says, I'm going to pour myself out for someone else. It's the kind of living that Jesus exemplified when he washed the disciples' feet and he said, I want you to do it. It's people who will sacrifice for the good of others, and that's where unity comes from. Division always comes because I am selfish and I want to do things my way, and I don't care about your needs. I saw an example of, of this kind of cross-living at a funny place this last Friday night, went to a cage match. And it's where the two guys get in a cage and fight. <laughs> Very few rules. And, you know, they're pretty, I know that stumbles many of you. <laughs> but I went because there's a kid, Joe Calavita, who I love very much. And, and he was fighting in, a, in one of these cage matches in a King of the Cage event out in a, at an Indian reservation in Hemet. And so we <laughs> imagine. And, and it was a great sacrifice for, no, I'm just kidding, for me to go out there. But we went to see Joey fight, and his brother, his older brother, Sam Calavita, was there. Sam, I first met when, Sam was the kind of guy who just lived for his little brother, Joey. And Joey was in a tough situation, and so Sam took Joey into his house, and even though Sam at the time had five kids, he now has eight, but he, Sam was a college professor up in Victorville, and, but he wanted Joey, he was a new Christian, newer Christian, and he wanted Joey to have the advantage of coming down and going to Calvary Chapel and wrestling at Calvary Chapel and, and hearing about the Lord every day at school. And so Sam gave up his, his career, basically, and came to a struggling little high school that was just getting started and offered to teach whatever we wanted him to teach sacrificing himself for his son, Joey. And so it was cool. Well, Sam ended up, he, he's the best teacher, school teacher I've ever seen on any level. He, he teaches advanced placement calculus and was just received an award from President Bush because Sam's students have a higher perfect rate on the AP exams in calculus than any teacher in the world. He's an amazing, he's an amazing guy. But he was willing to make that sacrifice for his little brother, Joey. Well, hadn't seen Sam in a while, and so we were there in the crowd, and his family was there, Sam was there, and I sat with him. We talked for a long time, and I was just thinking about the sacrifice that, that Sam had made so Joey could go get in a cage and get beat up. But, you know, at the same time, <laughs> giving him that start in life, and while we were talking and I could see how proud he was of Joe because Joey's doing good with the Lord and, you know, he's, he's, he was rescued from a, a life of just sure devastation. And as we were talking, somebody came up from backstage and Joey sent an armband to let Sam come and, and uh, you know, go st be in his corner while he was fighting. And I saw the look on Sam's face, and he took the wristband, and he started to put it on. He actually put it on, but before he snapped it down, he looked at his little son, Tony, who, Tony has a rare blood disease and almost died several times, and he's now in eighth grade, but little skinny kid doing well. And, and Sam took the wristband, and he goes, Tony, 
why don't you go back and stand in, your, in Joe's corner? And it was like, wow, that was so cool. But, you know, then later as they make a big deal, the explosions going off, lights and strobes and smoke and all that stuff as they're introducing Joe Calavita. And he comes walking down this ramp like a pro wrestler. And, and there's little Tony you know, everybody else around are these big steroid-infested guys, and, and <laughs> little Tony must weigh, you know, 70, 80 pounds. And I looked over at Sam, and there he sees Joey, who he had given a big part of his life for, and now here's his little boy being, the, being in the corner at this big fight. It's on television and everything, and, and I just thought, you know, sacrifice really is worth it. It would be a lot more fun to experience what he experienced than what he would have experienced if he was down there sharing the spotlight or if he had just pursued his own ends rather than to give to someone else's. It's what Paul talked about in Philippians when he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. After saying, esteem others higher than yourself, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say, Jesus emptied himself. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, and therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. Now, that doesn't make sense, that sacrifice leads to glory. Who'd have thought it? The world is programming us and telling us that you need to look out for number one, that you better promote yourself or no one else is going to promote you. And Jesus is saying, no, the cross means that you can sacrifice yourself, you can give up yourself and bless others, and the result will be you will be far more blessed than you'll ever be from self-promotion and from selfishness. Oh, by the way, Joey won his fight. Got the guys back, got the hooks in, choked them out. It was cool. But <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> so Paul says the message of the cross. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. See, the message of the cross, you don't judge it. You can. You can criticize it. You can question it. But the message of the cross, really, and the message of the Bible is really what judges you and me. It just shows us who we are. If sacrifice sounds stupid to you, you're perishing. You're being eaten up. You're being destroyed. If, on the other hand, sacrifice in some mysterious way, you go... That's how I want to live. I want to follow Jesus. I, I want to do things his way. Then God's word says, you have the power. The power of God will be perfected in you. And you'll know the difference based on how you get along with others. It's pretty simple. That's what it's all about. Ultimately, the cross is designed to draw everyone together because everyone is level, even, and equal at the foot of the cross. The gospel means that none of us can do anything for ourselves. Nothing that we do matters. It's all what he did, and we just receive his grace. It's that great place where we all meet together. 
Now, as he goes on to discuss it here in verse 19, he quotes Isaiah and says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent, or those with good judgment. Turn over to Isaiah 29 and let's look at this in its original context. 